Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's April 2nd, 2019, episode 85. This is Tom from the D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. If you are a fastidious listener of the Steelers Outpost, you will note that we come to you one day late this week. And that is because we are both coming off a huge weekend in the Big Easy. Mrs. Steelers Outpost and I needed a little getaway from the, the doldrums of Washington, D.C., and uh, Nick is an alumnus of this city, so we decided that's a good place to get away to. And coincidentally, young Nicholas and his band were playing that weekend, so uh, we were in New Orleans. Yeah, we were partying, and we were um, congratulating Sean Payton and all of his fans in there for getting the uh, pass interference reviewable rule changed at the owners' meeting recently. Obviously, Sean Payton coach of the New Orleans Saints, Super Bowl winner. Uh, some would say cheated out of a recent Super Bowl appearance with maybe the worst call in the history of playoff football since the tuck rule. Although this, at least that one had some gray area. You know, um, uh, the pass interference. Jesse the, James. Yeah, yeah, James. Well, that was regular season. That's the worst, that's the worst mm. call in history. This okay. would just be the worst in playoff history. So Sean Payton led a huge charge to get the replay rule changed. So now this year on a one-year trial basis – pass interference will be reviewable so you can challenge if they did not call pass interference like they should have against the rams with the saints and i guess you can um challenge if they do call pass interference and you think that the call didn't deserve it so a lot of mixed reactions my opinion real quick is just you know you're definitely opening a can of worms here in my opinion you have games like the saints losing to the rams and the Steelers losing to the Saints, as we all know, the Saints deserve to lose for the karma they got for calling Joe Hayden for blowing on the back of Alvin Kamara and therefore losing the Steelmen, the game against the Saints. But listen, you're, you're going to get some calls right, and then you're going to take some things that are ticky-tacky, and you're going to slow them down into slow motion, and then we have no idea how much a guy is really affecting the receiver's ability to catch or not catch the ball. So it's good to see you know, some things will get overturned that are so egregiously bad – but I almost think that it's going to create controversies that wouldn't have been there if the rule wasn't reviewable. Do you think it's good or bad, or you think it's a little bit of both? I think it's not going to make a big difference. It's going to make us feel good because of what we, what Joe Hayden experienced and, you know, what we've seen in Jesse James. So, well, not Jesse James, sorry. Restrict. So each coach is allowed two opportunities per game to make a coach's challenge. As we know, it, Every play looks like interference one way or another when it comes to a receiver in the DB. And we're going to say this. So how many times they can charge, they can do two challenges a game. And I guess yeah, in the last change. minutes of the halves. So how many, how many, uh, 
are you waiting for your, are you holding on to your challenge for that egregious pass interference play? Uh, most coaches use these will be used up by that time. So I'm yeah. not sure how much effect this is. Well, if have. you're Mike Tomlin, the, the challenge will be used on a four yard incompletion in the first quarter. And that's when you'll see him use the pass interference and, uh, you know, challenge flag. Unless new defensive assistant coach Terrell Austin, who's supposed to also, they, they said he's going to be working with some of the replays. I don't know how that's going to work because he's in the booth. But unless Terrell Austin can talk him out of it, you'll probably see some stupid challenges. But uh, it's I, I definitely could say this for sure. Um, it's a good idea that they're at least trying this on a year trial basis and it'll probably get passed and, and continue to be a rule after that, but it doesn't hurt to try. I think it settles in like everything else. The question is, are we going to start looking at offensive holding penalties? Where does it, where does it end? But I really don't care when you sort of have, I, I appreciate their limited opportunities to challenge that way. Right. I'm not really worried about the game slowing down. It's, it's going to be two flags per coach per game, plus whatever the booth wants to call in the last two minutes of halves. Yeah, the it's just team. hard because uh, not not to interrupt you, but you know Brandon Cooks for the Rams, he dropped a, a critical would be touchdown pass uh, towards the end of that Super Bowl there when he ran that go route down the right sideline into the end zone, and he kind of kind of had a, a corner right on his back, and then the safety. I don't know if it was McCordy or whoever, but um, the safety came down on him and basically. He was running from the middle of the field to attack Cooks, who was along the sideline, and kind of make contact with him right when the ball was there. Um, in real time, it sort of looked like something where I, I was annoyed with Brandon Cooks because I'm thinking, you get paid like a number one receiver. Put your hands up and catch the ball. I know it's a tough catch, but you're making a ton of money. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster, a number one receiver, would make that catch. I didn't love that he tried to basket it. But when you look at it in slow motion, you do see that McCordy or whoever that safety was, he does make contact with Cook's inside arm before the ball gets there. And just slightly before. So I don't know. In, in real time, it didn't look like it interfered with his ability to catch the ball that badly. But you got to think it would get reversed if uh, – if the Rams were able to challenge it. And that sort of just feels instinctually a little ticky tack to me, but you know, yeah, but you, you know, like it, everything is about leverage. It's not necessarily grabbing some guy's arms and wrenching them down. A, a, a glancing blow can change somebody's you're moving that fast. Everything's a bang, bang. You could just have a move a guy's hand out of the way. And I don't care. Yes. You want to assume everybody's going to have a combat catch. But you can be thrown off your trajectory pretty easy when everybody's moving that fast, chugging downfield. So what is pass interference? An egregious physical contact? Or it could be like taking a guy off track. But you're right about that. Any little contact can change can be the difference between a catch and a non-catch, especially when you got two elite athletes running full speed. Any small contact can really knock you out of there. But I just feel like there's so many rules to protect the offense in the first place. Now it's like, okay, you can't even blow on the guy. I just think you're taking a very subjective rule. And because the rule, I guess they lined up six to eight points on like what constitutes pass interference. But at the end of the day, we'll it's run, a subjective. We'll run through that in real time. Well, it's a subject, a subjective rule, and now you're just adding another area of subjectivity. Well, now what do you think about it in slow motion? So, uh, hopefully, it's just used to correct the super egregious calls that are missed or made, like Joe Hayden or the call in the NFC Championship game. If you still have the red flag in your back pocket, having not used it, so the competition committee also made permanent the kickoff rule changes. 
which to me is a big yawn. I, I think it's a wasted. I think it's a wasted play to begin with. It's fine. I guess there. I yeah. don't know what the statistics are. What I've heard is it's lowered uh, the number of concussions, which is it's a high concussion play. Right. Great. They've succeeded there. And We're, we, you, you and I both agree. Well, at least we did agree at the beginning of the season. This was uh, evolving and maybe gone, sort of like the usage of the appendix. appendix get rid time. of it. Get rid of it. I mean, the, this actually has lowered the number of concussions tremendously. I don't remember the exact st- statistics. I've been hearing them, but it is like, you know, it, it's at least cut them in half in terms of that play, if not into a third of what they were before. So how many kickoff returns for touchdowns do we even see during the regular season anymore? Anyways, I mean, it's like, what, like five, I could be totally off base with that, but it's, it's so close to being done. (laughs) Like we know what's going to happen eventually, but uh, yeah, not, not too big of a change there. So it is what it is. All right. So let's move on to the barren West wasteland that we find ourselves wandering in. Uh, There is some news. And uh, there is breaking news, by right. the way. You and I didn't talk about this ahead of the the, uh, the no, podcast, but no, BJ Finney is back in the fold for three million bucks for a year. Boom! There you go. We'll just reiterate it again. It, it sucks that we lost Marcus Gilbert, but to keep every other offensive lineman starting and backup is beyond critical because in the depression we're suffering through, or at least I'm suffering through, with the loss of the two traders, the two me first guys. Excuse me. Uh, you also lost Mike Munchak, who's, if not the best, then at worst, the second best offensive line coach in the NFL. And you really want to keep that room together because you don't you don't know how Sean Serrett is going to develop these guys underneath of the starters. And the good thing is, you know, the Steelers losing Munchak now hurts a lot less than it would have a couple years ago because the offensive line it's all veteran guys and they've all been playing together for a long time, but obviously Finney should be the future of the guard position. Once Foster eventually does hopefully now retire as a Steeler. I mean, pretty much definitely retire as a Steeler. Okay. So let's talk about ESPN and it's uh, trying to do some power rankings. I just, I was laughing because the, the NFL is just a barren wasteland of news now. Like we're, after the combine, but still, you know, three weeks before the draft, you're you're hearing about which teams are meeting which players, but those even are smoke screens a lot of the time. You know, when there's a team up at the top of the draft, like Oakland visiting with Kyler Murray, it's sort of to scare teams behind them. Maybe somebody behind them wants Kyler Murray. And they're like, oh, well, Oakland said that they're cool with having Carr as their quarterback, but they're visiting with Murray, so we might have to trade up. So some of that stuff's smokescreen anyways. There is no news. So I'm laughing while I'm at the gym seeing ESPN doing full 32-team NFL power rankings. You know, pre-draft. We haven't even had the draft. You're going to redo this segment and change it right after the draft happens. Yes, I know – the draft isn't really going to take a team from worst to first or move the needle too much, but it like people are just grasping at straws right now for content. Le'Veon Bell still out there working on his alternative career. Oh, this gave me so much satisfaction. I'm deeply satisfied with Keenan Allen, the wide receiver from the Los Angeles Chargers, who dissed Le'Veon Bell pretty valiantly on Twitter. Le'Veon Bell, okay, now he's off the team. We can be more blunt about it. it Le'Veon Bell does not rap. Some people th- 
say he's a rapper. He has a rap career. No, he does not. What he does is the equivalent of a, a, an eight-year-old who's messing around on his dad's garage band while his dad is having a couple beers out in the garage. He's horrifically bad. Hey, you're coming close to home. Oh, <laughs> he is horrifically terrible at rapping. And now that I uh, dislike him so heartily, I can say that more uh, uh, vehemently. I will say this to defend him, though. You know, I feel like he lacks a lot of – first off, he does not have lyrical talent. He's, he uses the same cadence over and over again. And he uses the sort of mumble rap triplets with a – so yes that is sort of part of the style that the cadence stays the same all the time but even the mumble rapper switched that triplet a little bit to anyways he just uses the same one every time no lyrical ability whatsoever i a, a small part of my heart feels a little bit bad for him because when you're a musician you should get the chance to suck in private um which I did for many years and I don't want any of those recordings to see the light of day, you know, as a musician myself and, and he's, you know, sort of putting out the first things that he's doing, they get a huge national scale, but I guess that's also the, that's also the, uh, it's karma too, because for me, when I see somebody as completely devoid of musical talent, like Le'Veon Bell getting thousands of millions of views on his stuff, it's like, well, you know, this is what you get. But anyways, Le'Veon Bell put out uh, his recent track, with an accompanying music video of him dancing around in an alley, doing the same cadence on his mumble rap as usual. And he put it up and said, let me know what y'all think. Uh, is it fire emoji or is it trash can emoji? And Keenan Allen basically says, I got to keep it 100 with you, man. This is trash. He puts a trash can emoji. And Le'Veon Be- Bell responds to him basically saying, you could have texted me and said this, but I see that even official checkmark Twitter users are looking for clout and retweets now. And basically they go back and forth talking about how Keenan says he's not dissing him. He's just keeping it real. And uh, at the bottom line, I think it's hilarious. And I think I'm glad that somebody finally said it because <laughs> I don't know what we're playing. Emperor's new clothes here. The guy isn't even in the universe of being able to rap. Anybody can do what he's doing. So the draft is finally in sight. I know the desert goes on a bit, but we can see a palm tree in the distance three weeks hence. And things are starting to um, come into focus. And, and I hate the mock drafts. It's just, it seems like just, it's, 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 it's NFL porn. You know, it's not real and, and nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, but I think there's some realities that the Steelers have to face, especially when it comes to inside linebacker. Yeah, it looks like the Devons, it's looking like a long shot that the Steelers would be able to acquire Devin White or Devin Bush. There's a strong chance they don't even make it out of the top 12. Both of the linebackers just visited the Cincinnati Dirty Convicts, so they're definitely taking one of those guys, especially with the departure of um, the chief criminal of all, Vontae's perfect. Broncos need an inside linebacker. The Buccaneers at whatever they are, five, six, or seven, they need an inside linebacker. Both linebackers getting a ton of hype. Both linebackers incredibly impressive on tape. So, you know, the only way that the Steelers are going to get one of those inside linebackers that they so desperately need is by trading up significantly. And do I think that'll happen? Well, I don't think it's impossible. They traded up to get Troy Palomalo. They traded up to get Santonio Holmes. Obviously incredibly successful with both of those maneuvers. So uh, it's it's not out of the question. But I just – it would take a king's ransom to move up – into the top 10 from number 20. So I just don't see it happening. So 
we're starting uh, to look in other directions besides outside inside linebacker for the draft. And it looks like Mark Barron, you know, probably will be the starter. And like you said, um, like the mock drafts, I just look at them as a good way to, to, to learn. I don't know what's going on there. You got a Cardinal in the background or something. It's the washing machine. It's been, I had missed the whole weekend of laundry, so we're handling it now. Well, it was worth it. But the mock draft, sometimes I look at like just a good way to get to know some of the players. But one trade in the real drafts could topple an entire mock draft. One Steelers pick of Terrell Edmonds could ruin could ruin it. You know, one Blake Bortles at number three could ruin it. And those things will happen every single year. But this kind of stuff, when you only have two prime players at a position like inside linebacker and the drop off drop off is so steep from them you can get an idea of this type of stuff and it looks like that's going to be a long shot for them to land either one of those guys so i'm not sure how much draft visits correlate to the um, actual picks but i guess in the past the steelers you, you can kind of pick up where the steelers are going based on how many of the coaches end up at a particular um pro day. university but we have pro day but we have had a number of visits in the bird. Yeah, I think that they position. I think they've done 16 total now. This I had some notes here before is a little out of date, but it's 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 nothing but running backs. <laughs> so many running backs. I think a last count was 5 out of 10, but then they added per Alex Kazora here from Steelers Depot at Alex Kazora on Twitter. Um they added three more running backs and a couple of uh of names keep popping up at other position. They also added giant Martavis Bryant lookalike wide receiver, Miles Boykin from Notre Dame and inside linebacker, David Long from West Virginia, who we talked about in the prior podcast, a, uh, an equally freaky athletic linebacker to the Devons, just far less polished, but a ton of running backs. So what is that? Like eight out of 16, like half the people they brought in have been running backs. We knew that they'd be taking one, in the draft because they really only have two uh, uh, legitimate ones on the roster. But, man, uh, you better uh, open your eyes to the possibility that it might happen a little bit earlier than we expected. What Do you do you have any opinions? Do you think that they needed that early or that dire? Or are you good well, with just question, Connor and Samuels? Or? I'm not sure that bringing them in indicates the round they're going to take in. They're, they're going to take somebody in. I mean, they have nothing That's but true. time right now to look at guys. Bring them in. Put them on the merry-go-round. You might as well. I mean, I do think that there's a big need. I'm I'm not totally sold on Samuels. I love what he did in the one game. Um, I expect, you know, against the Patriots, I expect that he's going to cut weight and get a lot faster like Le'Veon Bell did and like James Conner did. But he just ha- he has no explosion at all, man. I can't comfortably put him at a number two running back spot. And also James Conner, I mean, has he ever played a year of football when he hasn't gotten hurt? It's happened pretty much every year. I mean, like even in Pitt, he obviously had issues besides overcoming cancer and everything like that. So, yeah, interesting that they do that. But uh, there are definitely some names that are starting to circulate uh, and become more attached to Pittsburgh on a more consistent basis. Uh, well, the good news back. is you don't have to give away the family fortune to get a good running back. So right. seeing a bunch of them doesn't cost anything except for a plane ticket and uh, be curious to see what round somebody goes in. I'll say this, too. We've, you know, I think a lot of us were hoping the Steelers take one of the uber talented first round wide receivers with that pick at 20. And I don't think that's out of the question, but I did find it interesting that Colbert and the main brass did not attend the Ole Miss Pro Day, which is why, you know, they have three receivers who could be first round guys with the super freak DK Metcalf, 
They also have AJ Brown who played primarily in the slot, but he does have some outside value. And then oh, I'm totally blanking on the other guy's name right now. Oh, damn. Lodge, Demarcus Lodge. And uh, I would have thought that the Steelers would have had some sort of interest, but they, w- they didn't send the main brass to the pro day. I don't know if, you know, I don't know how much that means towards if one of those guys would be available in the second. I don't think that that would happen by the time the Steelers draft. Actually, it definitely wouldn't happen. But uh, the Steelers don't usually draft a first-round guy unless the main brass is at the pro day. There is some buzz that we may be refocusing our efforts to the edge rusher. Yeah, we need an inside linebacker. We need a cornerback. We need wide receiver. But at the end of the day, so that might take edge. another edge, <laughs> which you know has me discouraged because Bud Dupree and, and uh, Jarvis Jones happened. But then again, so did T.J. Watt. And there's one name. It sort of terrifies me as a first-round prospect. But after I watched a lot of tape of him, watched some interviews with him, actually, I didn't let myself get too swayed by that. But it is some interesting insight into the guy uh, that he is. Chase Winovich, Clay Matthews lookalike, long, blonde, flowing Thor-like hair out of Michigan's absolutely stacked defense, has a number of first-rounders on that defense. He is being consistently connected to the Steelers at 20. And uh, I watched a little bit of him today and learned a few things about him. Well, so you know that I I watched the – the documentary last year um, that was called All or Nothing. Michigan Wolverines was on right. Amazon, and you got an inside look at the team, and that's where I, I first learned about Chase Winovich. And what's cool is the guy, he probably could have come out last year and decided to stay for another year, in addition to the flowing locks, striking. Right. Uh, he stayed. Majestic, really. And uh, I don't know if you knew this, but he is a resident of the borough next to the one I grew up in. He's from Jefferson Township. Yeah. It's the rich side of rich side of South Hills. But anyway, <laughs> the Steelers do put value into that too. I mean, can't help but feeling that drafting James Conner, you know, two rounds before he, you know, he would have stuck around past the third round for sure. And they drafted him early because you know, that's a Pittsburgh guy, you know, Pittsburgh kid, at least University of Pittsburgh. Got to see him a lot there. But, you know, I wouldn't be thrilled about him as a first round pick. It, it sort of feels like a reach. He feels more like an early second round pick to me. But, you know, if you're the Steelers, you know. It's better than taking a third rounder in the first. At least you're taking a second rounder in the first round. Yeah, every that, year we a, do a little bit better. Terrell Edmonds, third rounder, you know, Artie Burns, third rounder. Now we're going for second rounders. That's good. But you know what? I found myself not excited to watch him because I, I've been so discouraged by the fact of like, you know, if you're going to take a uh, – <laughs> there's going to be first-round caliber players available at 20. Maybe not at the most obvious position. Maybe it's a tight end or a wide receiver. But just take talent. Take someone who has first-round athleticism. That's what the first round is for, is for super athletic talent that you can't get in the other rounds. That's why you take a risk on some guys like DK Metcalf or, you know, Bud Dupree, the raw guy. They weren't able to mold him, but you he has things that he can do physically that other people can't do. So that's why Chase doesn't totally excite me from that angle. But then my opinion has started to change a little bit on him. I wouldn't say totally, but – so I saw some stats today, and I wish I could remember where I where I saw them so I could shout these guys out. And I apologize if anybody who's listening knows where this came from. But apparently Chase Winovich had a pretty incredible uh, combination of scores at the NFL Combine in terms of, like, guys who are over 250 pounds who scored uh, – who timed really well on the 40-yard dash and the three-cone, which are very – what's the word? Uh, relevant. Totally. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, of of how you know it, it it applies to what edge rushers do: bending and changing directions in a small amount of space, and then exploding off the ball. So, in terms of having that weight with that forty time and that three cone time, he was only equaled by I think Miles Garrett and the Bosa brothers. That's that's serious uh, company to be keeping. And then on top of that, he produced on the field. I think he only had five and a half sacks like the past year in his in his sophomore year but then he had eight or something his junior year but the bottom line is he's all over the place on the field so his tape is impressive too when you see a guy's tape match up with um the combine scores that's a good sign especially because he's not considered a great athlete he's a good athlete but they always say you know high motor with him sometimes isn't surprised with a white guy like it's constantly you know, people can't look past that sometimes. They say a high motor when the guy might be a better athlete than that, you know, like like a TJ Watt or a JJ Watt for that matter. But his combine really raised his stock and it shows you this guy might have more potential than you think. And so when I watched him, one thing, two things stood out blatantly on the tape right away. Number one is he has incredible hand usage in like a pass rush plan. He is the anti-Bud Dupree. He has four or five different main pass rushing moves. He uses a rip. I've seen him even use a swim one time. He has a great push-pull move, which is kind of when you explode off the ball and you lock your arms out on the offensive lineman. So like you're trying to push him, and then you guessed it, you pull him, and you use his momentum to kind of throw him behind you and, and propel yourself towards the quarterback. He's got all types of different moves. He does little head fakes and dips under the, the the tackle to the inside. He'll go to the outside. He'll do that speed rush around the end. A ton of moves, which sort of reminds me of a little bit more of a polished um, TJ Watt. But the thing with TJ Watt was when he was coming out, they were saying, this guy is raw because he played tight end at Wisconsin before switching to defensive end. And I think uh, Chase Winovich switched positions as well, too. I think he played some tight end and some inside linebacker. But with TJ Watt, they said, the good thing about him is he has really good hand usage compared to college players, and he's barely been playing the position, so the upside is really big. It's sort of similar with Chase Winovich. It's noticeable how many moves he has compared to other guys. And then the well, other thing the, is – oh, go for it. Sorry. And just one started. of the favorite quotes I read in the description of him, he has a lot of upside. He has a lot of positives, but one of the weaknesses characterizes hard-charging style, dulls, dulls awareness and instincts. You just imagine this madman screaming in, and it, it, most of the uh, beef against him is that he doesn't have an efficient path to the quarterback. That may be true. Sometimes he can be bull in a china shop. That would be the second thing that I would say was the most noticeable thing about him. He has an amazing motor. I'm trying to think of someone else who I can compare him to, but he jumps off this, the tape in terms of his hustle. And like I said before, that's often kind of like a backhanded insult like hustle, like he's not that great. It's kind of what we say about Bud Dupree. Like he's good for some cleanup sacks every year, um, but he's never going to beat someone on a pass rush. That's not the case with Chase Winovich. He just pops off the screen and how constant he never slows down. And his top speed isn't that of a of a of a top ten type talent, or you know whatever you want to say, like a Brian Burns or a Josh Allen from Kentucky. But the guy's conditioning is out of this world. And I'd say that he actually does read keys pretty well. Like he does understand offense. He does get faked out by some of those quarterback option things like we talked about with some other players recently. But I'd say he he does have a pretty good job reading the ball. And his his only, um, you know, where he falls short 
as a true elite prospect is, you know, those times were great at the NFL combine, but he is not a super elite athlete in terms of like chasing guys out to the boundary or changing direction when a running back wants to bounce it outside and going and catching him or, and he also doesn't have that, you know, trademark elite bend. He doesn't have those things. You can't teach those things. So that's what makes him, you know, not a, a slam dunk first round prospect, but everything else is really good. And he might be a guy who gets even better in the NFL because that those, those combine times were telling that maybe his ceilings even a little bit higher than you think it is. What are the odds? Do you think of the Steelers drafting him? Who knows? His, his name is popping up constantly. Edge is a need. Um, you know, I would, I don't know what's going to happen with Bud Dupree after this year. We're going to have to see what happens, but, uh, it would be nicer to see them select someone who can contribute immediately. But if that person isn't available and it doesn't make sense, then his name has, has been all over the radar for the Steelers. And I'll say this. I don't put too much stock into into interviews because, you know, the guy – it's really about playing football at the end of the day. And we've seen amazing players who don't interview as well, who don't interview well at all. And we've seen terrible players who interview great. But he is just lovable, dude. And he is a leader. He's sort of like a, a Thor version of, of Juju. He's kind of – but but he does – he's a very intelligent guy. You should check out this interview he did. It's 20 minutes long. You don't have to watch the whole thing, obviously. But you can get a good idea of this dude from the first couple minutes of an interview he did with Rich Eisen on Rich Eisen's podcast. You can find it on YouTube. He is a really cool, self-aware, funny, like creative guy. He's very well-spoken, very comfortable in front of the camera and talking to to people. And he even gave, you know, NFL teams a little crap who didn't bring him in for official visits. They gave him the unofficial visits and, but without being cocky, you know, he's not like Baker Mayfield being brash out there with a chip on his shoulder. He is an incredible worker, obviously unbelievable conditioning, but the guy is a leader and he's charismatic. And if he was on the Steelers, he would bring a lot. And now you're thinking, okay, you got Juju and this guy and, and, and some other leaders really in the building, which the Steelers could use so much more. Like, he reminds me of like a Ramon Foster or someone like that who has that big personality and is comfortable talking to people, smart, hard worker, everything. So he's a cool dude. Well, if you had a hundred bucks, how much would you bet on uh, Chase getting onto the Steelers? Well, I don't know how much I would bet out of the hundred, but I do know one thing where I'd bet it. I'd bet it at mybookie.ag online today because my bookie offers betters in all major markets an entertaining lineup of gaming options. You can do prop bets. You can do fantasy bets. You can take advantage of in-game live betting on over-unders or anything like that. My bookie has a great mobile site. You can do it from your phone. It's super easy. It's sexy. One would even say, who knew betting on a mobile phone could be so sexy? And I would say, why would you ask that? We've been telling you this for months. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. Visit mybookie.ag online today. And don't forget to use that promo code OUTPOST25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, you get paid. So we'll keep watching The Wire to see if there's any new news out there. Morgan Burnett, as predicted by everybody, is now gone. And oh. uh, so that... Uh, just remind me i was going to talk about that aditi kinkabala interview uh that she did on the podcast uh, uh, very disappointed with where mm-hmm. she's been going it seems like someone from the steelers hurt her because it, it seems like she's almost willfully leaving out information you know what can you cut that out i, I don't the nyquil's kicking in and i don't have energy to okay. go on the rant <laughs> sorry 
So hopefully more to report next week, but we will be on next week and we should be back on schedule. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost or leave us a note on the website SteelersOutpost.com or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Nick, did you have one more thing to say? Yes, I don't know if you heard. The AAF ah, has Uh, folded. Yeah. Can you imagine uh, that? Wow. Yeah. Barely knew you. Eight out of ten. So close. So much promise. That's some real propaganda. Anyways, that is a bummer. So until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.